0: Hi, this is Ananda, President of the Hare Krishna Community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's i s k c o n o f d c . o r g. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk.
1: So we're going to just read a little from the 10th uh, chapter of Bhagavad Gita as it is the song of god ch- uh, chapter 10 thir- 34 Krishna says "Mritya sarva haras chaham bhavishatam kirti shri narinam smriti I am all devouring death and I am the generating principle of all that is yet to be. Among women, I am fame, fortune, fine speech, memory, intelligence, steadfastness, and patience. And I'm gonna read a little from the purport uh, by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta, Sri Swami Prabhupada. So the seven opulences listed, fame, fortune, fine speech, memory, intelligence, steadfastness, and patience are considered feminine. If a person possesses all of them or some of them, he or she becomes glorious. So I wanted to read those uh, qualities because the personality Draupadi Devi, the divine Draupadi, had all of those qualities. She was famous. She was fortunate and also brought fortune wherever she went. She had fine speech. Her memory was excellent. Her intelligence was extraordinary. She was steadfast and patient. And because of possessing all of these qualities, Drapati was very glorious. So today I want to share eight lessons that we can learn from the life of I've The Mahabharata, which is an epic story of great dimension, it means the history of greater India, and it tells lots and lots of stories or pastimes about historical personalities who did wonderful and great things or personalities who did things that were terrible. And when we read these stories... It is very, very important that we understand, yes, they were true, even though some of the things may be very fantastic, but we have to realize many of these events took place in times when people were stronger, lived longer, knew more, had much more power, and so forth. But our, our focus today is on Queen Draupadi. And I want to give you a little background for her story. This extraordinary lady that we can all learn something from. So in the Mahabharata, um, Draupadi was the wife of five husbands, which was again another extraordinary thing because in general, women do not marry more than one man. And uh, we'll give the background for that. Draupadi, was the daughter of a very great king named Drupada. And her father uh, had a fight with a brahminical personality named Drona. It's a lot of details. And I hope I whet your appetite enough so that you'll go and read all the details. But Drona was a Brahmin, and he was the martial teacher for this great family of devotees called the Kauravas. And uh, in that family were five illustrious sons named Yudhisthira, Bhima, Arjuna, Nakula, and Sahadev. And the reason why these are very important personalities is because they were all very great devotees of God, because they all were righteous men. And in Bhagavad Gita, for those of us who understand it, Krishna is imploring righteous men to take charge of the world. And so these were the ones, at that time, 5,000 years ago, Krishna wanted the Pandavas, Yudhisthira, Bhima, Arjuna, Nakula, and Sahadev to take charge of the world because it was under the rulership of Duryodhan and his father, Dhritarashtra, who was blind. So many different names, but again, for those of you who get interested, read the stories. Um, And uh, the Kauravas caused so much trouble to these little boy, the the Pandavas, when they were young. They tried to kill them in many ways, um, as many people today try to kill the principle of righteousness. But by the grace of Krishna, these young men grew up. And um, one particular incident occurred where they, uh, Dhridodhan had arranged for them to live in a house made of shellac. And for those of you who know, shellac is very flammable. It'll burn up. So he had these engineers and architects design this beautiful home made out of very flammable materials. And he invited the Pandavas, who were his cousin brothers, to live in this house. And they did, even though they were aware that there was some trickery going on, But because they had firm faith in Krishna, they always trusted that Krishna would protect them. So they lived in this house and it was set on fire. And so everyone all over the kingdom thought that they had died, that they had been burnt in the fire. But um, they had not because by the grace of another great saint or devotee, Vidur, they had built a tunnel underneath the flammable house so that they could exit it when the fire came. So these were some of the precarious circumstances that were going on at the time. Now, Drupadi, so we'll put that on, on, one, on the back burner for a minute, Drupadi's father, uh, Jupiter, had this fight going on with Drona. And because of the fight, Drona defeated Jupiter and took half of his property. And this left some anger and resentment in Jupiter's heart, and he could never rest. And so he went and approached some saintly people and asked them if they would perform a sacrifice so that he could get revenge. Now, generally, we know revenge is not a good thing, but this was just burning in his heart. So these sages uh, agreed, and they performed a sacrifice, and and uh, a fire. The sacrificial fire came, and uh, out of that fire, two wonderful personalities emerged. And one was Jumna, and the other was Dropadi. And Dropadi was so beautiful that men, it is described that men used to trip over their feet when they saw her. They would just fall down. She was just so beautiful and charming, and her beauty was not only external, it was internal, because she was a great, great servant of Krishna, and a great, great lover of the Lord. So Jeopardi's birth was a little unusual, but her father loved her, and her mother loved her, and they raised her, and then it became time when she was about 16 or 15 to get her married, as was the duty of the father at that time. Our scriptures say that Fathers can give up every duty, but they cannot give up the duty to make sure their daughters are nicely married, to make sure their daughters have protection from loving, caring husbands. So Jupiter decided to have a ceremony called a swayamvara ceremony, and in this ceremony, uh, the men would have to do some extraordinary kind of feat to win the the hand of their daughter. So in this case, they had. Uh, a fish displayed in the ceiling and there was a covering and there was a covering in the floor and the, w- the one who won Draupadi's hand would have to shoot an arrow and hit the fish's eye without looking at the fish and look down at a reflection down. So that meant there would have to be an extraordinary archer with extraordinary ability and skill. And at the time that he was uh, performing this ceremony, Jupiter had heard of the greatness of Arjuna. And in his heart, he desired that Arjuna would win the daughter's hand. But Arjuna was said to be dead, in the, burned in the fire. So um, Arjuna wasn't dead, and he and his brothers, uh, under the instruction of their guru-brahman teacher, came to Draupadi's swayamvara ceremony dressed as Brahmins or ministers. Now bear in mind they were warriors, kshatriyas, but they were kind of incognito at that time. They had to hide themselves because there was so much political intrigue going on. And um, so Arjuna actually won the contest. There were many, many great uh, princes and kings there. They couldn't even lift the bow or string it, or if they could lift the bow and string it, they couldn't shoot the target. Except there was one, Karna, who could do that. And just as he was about to shoot the target, Djopati said, Oh no, I cannot be married to a charioteer's son. And so he was declared ineligible for the contest. So then Arjuna came, and he strung the bow, and he shot the arrow without any kind of challenge. And a, a gas went up in all the assembly, because you have to bear in mind all these great kings and princes from all over. They said, who is this person? He's not even a warrior. He's dressed like a Brahmin minister. So how could he you know, uh, uh, perform this, this particular challenge? And so Jupiter kind of felt like, this must be Arjuna, because only Arjuna could do something like this. So they got Draupadi very quickly, and there was a little fight. But, of course, uh, the Pandavas uh, were able to be victorious. They took Draupadi back to their mother, Kunti, and their, their mother, Kunti, was in another room. And they said to her, they said, Mata, just look what we've brought a prize. And she said... Or whatever you have, you shared amongst yourselves. And they were like, Oh my God, how do you share a wife? You know, Mata, do you know what we brought? This is not just some alms or charity. This is a lady. And so when Mother Kunti looked out, she said, Oh my God, what did I say? Now we have to bear in mind that at that time the culture was so strong and the respect for motherhood was so powerful that once mother said something it was a fact it was a truth nobody went against it we're not used to that in kali yuga but that was the culture at the time so because mata said it it had to be done but now this produced a problem you know how you divide a woman with five men and you know so they were bewildered and at first uh Yudister, the the oldest brother said, Well, you know what, Arjuna, you want her fair and square, you marry her. And Arjuna said, No, that's not the that's not the culture. You're my oldest brother. You have to marry first. I can't do that before you. So you marry her. And I, I love the etiquette and the standards of respect and honor. Gosh, if we could have that today, we'd all be so much better off. But anyway, so finally. Uh, Vyasadev came another great sage I know I'm throwing all these different names but he uh, is the incarnation the literary incarnation of God and he said you know what even though this situation is very extraordinary it is meant to be it is destiny because in her previous life, Draupadi had prayed to the Lord five times for five different husbands, one who personified religion, one who was a great warrior, one who could handle you know, all these different qualifications. So by the grace of the Lord, her desire was fulfilled in her next life as Draupadi. And so um, they, he said, so you all should just marry her. All of you marry her and let Draupadi be your wife. And so later, Narada Muni gave them instruction. Because Drobadi was so beautiful, and she was such an elegant and, and wonderful person, these brothers were very close. They had such brotherly love and affection. And they didn't want a woman to come between them. So Narada Muni, who is a great sage and a wise person, who traveled, he gave them the prescription for a healthy married life. He said, that when you, you Jobadi should be with each husband one year, and when she is one, that husband, no other husband should come into that environment. In other words, respect each other's space and time. And so they agreed to that, and therefore it, it was wonderful. And so Jobadi was with each husband for five years. Um, uh, five years one after the other and each year she gave birth to a son so she had five sons so later because there again so much political intrigue so much uh, uh, always trying to defeat the cheat the pond of us there came a time when the core of us I want you all to keep remember all these background stories um, had to acknowledge that the Pandus, the Pandavas, were rightfully inheriting part of this kingdom, if not all of it, belonged to them. So they had to give them half of the kingdom. And they gave them the worst half. They gave them a desert. They gave them something that was quite barren and nothing could grow on. But by the grace of Krishna, that place flourished. That's a lesson for all of us as well, that even in the worst circumstances, if we go and follow the laws of God and trust God, we, we can flourish. So anyway, Draupadi uh, became the wonderful uh, mother of that household, that whole uh, kingdom called Indraprastha or Hastinapur. And at some point, the, the Kauravas invited the Pandavas to a gambling game. And they lost all of their wealth. They lost their kingdom. They lost each other And they lost Draupadi in a gambling game. And this was very astonishing because Draupadi had, when she heard that her husband, Eunice had lost her in a gambling match, she said, how is that proper? How can he lose himself and himself be a slave and then lose me? So Draupadi was very intelligent. She knew how to ask these questions that would bring some deep thought but because the demons were demons, they insisted that Draupadi was a slave and they went and dragged her. Now here's a beautiful queen, a chaste lady. They dragged her in the assembly with all these men and they dared to disrobe her. Now we have a lot of people in Kaliyuga, ladies, who take their clothes off. But we need to understand that for women and ladies to cover themselves nicely was the great honor and great modesty that women did then and do also today. So for Drobity to be disrobed in the assembly of all these men was the ultimate humiliation, degradation, and she would have rather have been dead, killed. So Drobity stood. Here was her husband on one side, Eudister, Bema saying, Arjun, Nikula, sahadev Here was all the great warriors and princes, Grandfather Bhishma, Dronacharya, all these great personalities. And these demons were trying to take her sari off and no man answered for her. No man said, this is wrong. This is against religious principles. And so Draupadi looked to her husbands, and she looked to the, the elders in the community and there was silence that a great chaste lady was being insulted like that and nobody was doing anything. So finally, Jobody, Jobody was tough. She was a warrior herself. She said, you're not gonna take my sari off without me fighting you. And she pulled and she tugged. But here was a man, strong, powerful, fi- Finally, Jobody said, oh Krishna, where are you, my Krishna? She said, I have no protection. I have no hope, Krishna, Krishna. And she threw her hands up. And she said, Lord, save me if you will. And if you won't, that's all right. And Krishna heard the desperate cry of Draupadi. And he gave her more sorry. So the more the demon tried to take her sorry off, the more sorry she was given. And finally, there was piles and piles of sorry until the man got tired of trying to take her sorry off. And he just fell down. And then everybody felt bad because they could know and things were straight. There's a lot more to the story of Draupadi, but just to give you that, that, that hint, I want to start going into the eight lessons so that we can have time for questions. So the first lesson that we want to learn from the life of Draupadi is that showing expertise in handling household and business affairs is the nature of devotee ladies who take shelter of God. A good wife. A good mother brings fortune and auspiciousness to the family. And therefore, they should be honored. They should be protected. They should be respected. Drobadi was a goddess of fortune. Although it appears that much of what happened to her was misfortune, but to her family, she brought fortune and fame. And you know, one instance where there was a great sage, he came with his 10,000 uh, 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 students, disciples. And Drobadi had been given a pot that as long as she could cook that boga food, prashadam and offer it to the Lord. And as long as she did not eat, then that that food would be always there. It would be full pot. No matter how many people she served, there would be food for everyone. So Drobadi would always eat last. And they had many Brahmins following them in all their different escapades. And then as long as Jopadi didn't eat, everybody could, there was plenty. And so one time this sage came when Jopadi had eaten. And he had 10,000 disciples. And his coming was kind of a trick, because Duryodhan had sent him, because he knew that Jopadi would have eaten by that time, and he wanted to embarrass the Pandavas. But because the Pandavas and Draupadi are devotees of the Lord, Krishna appeared and he, Draupadi was bewildered. What to do and you to steer was bewildered. Here's all these saintly people and we have no food to offer them. It's a great insult. And so Krishna said, Draupadi, where's your pot? And she said, Krishna, I, I ate already. Everything's gone out of the pot. Krishna said, let me see the pot. And he looked in a pot and sure enough, in a little corner, there was a crumb of prashadam, of food left and Krishna said he plucked that he put it in his mouth and everybody felt satisfied Devasa Muni and all his 10,000 servants they felt so full they said oh my god we couldn't eat another thing, we feel totally satisfied, we can't go to Yudhisthira, let's just go another way and, and go away so in this way Drobati was always bringing fortune to her family The second lesson, in whatever position we find ourselves in, we should fight for righteousness. And we should require justice, especially in situations where those who should be protected are neglected by their so-called protectors. Even though though was in a female body, she was very brave and very bold. And even though she was humble and compassionate, she was a warrior. She spoke out when things were not fair, not just, and even though she had utmost respect for her husband and even forgave them when they could not protect her, still she was always begging and asking for justice and for uh, the righteous principles to exist. Number three, the secret of success in life is selfless service. Now, as devotees, as servants of God, we've heard that over and over again, and it's the most difficult thing to ever do, like to just serve somebody and not want anything in return. But yet, that's the history of Draupadi. She served her husbands. She served her her, her mother-in-laws. She served everyone, the Brahmins, and she never, ever looked for anything in return because in her heart, Draupadi could understand that whatever I do, I'm doing it for Krishna. Whatever I do, I'm doing it for love because Krishna, God, is love personified. So the secret of success in life is to serve without expectation of results. Serve the right people. Serve the devotees. Serve the mission of the Lord. Number four, make your best, best effort in whatever you do. When I was a, a student in high school, Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. came to my high school and he gave a talk and he said, I don't remember what he said, but I remember this one line. He said, whatever you do to be the best that you are. He said, if you sweep streets, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. I'll never forget that because we all know Michelangelo is this topmost artist with expertise and he was telling sweet streeters to sweep street like that. And that's what Drobati showed. Drobati, whatever she did, she put her best effort into it. All of those, she always understood that the results were not up to her. Number five, we cannot depend on the fallible soldiers to protect us. This is another kind of touchy thing with us as human beings. We have our husbands. We have our wives. We have our money. We have our weapons. But ultimately, what can protect us? What can save us? None of that. Rake Krishna Mareke, Mare Krishna Rakeke. If Krishna wants to protect you, nobody can hurt you. If Krishna wants you to be hurt, who can protect you? So the sincere servants of the Lord know this and operate on that basis. Um, Number six, being in a female body is no impediment for being a great personality, for making a bold and powerful contribution to the world. That speaks for itself. Number seven, to insult a chaste woman means to bring about disaster in the duration of life. So when these demons insulted Jerobody, and it happened more than one time, that was the signal that that was the end of their, their dynasty, their family. Because chaste women, respectful women, they represent the internal nature of God. And they are always to be protected and always to be honored and this is the, the onus that Prabhupada has put on us and our society. How do you protect women? How do you protect children? Things that are valuable, things that are precious, they need protection, not abuse, not misuse, not exploitation. And number eight, the final one, the holy name of God is the ultimate shelter for every person. When Stood in the midst of all of these great warriors and her heroic husbands, and nobody could save her. She called the name of God. Harinama, 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 Eva Kevalo, Kalonasteva, Nasteva, Nasteva, got to her In this age of Kali, there is no other way, there is no other way, there is no other way for anything successful other than to call the name of God with a sincere and dedicated heart. That's the gift that our beloved Prabhupada, the founder of this movement, gave us. He said, call God's name. Call his name when you don't feel like it. Call his name when you don't feel you're worthy. Call call his name. And he, the name, is non-different from God. He will protect you. He will save you. He will connect you. Call that name. And Andropody, she called that name. I'm gonna hold his name. I'm gonna hold his name. I'm gonna hold his name in this world and the world to come. I'm gonna hold God's name. That's an old Christian song. <laughs> okay, <laughs> had to come out. All right. I'm gonna start. <laughs> So, thank you all. Is any questions or comments? Or
2: I was just curious about your background. Yes. If you don't mind. Okay. About the Seventh day Adventist. Did oh. you pick that because it was vegetarian? That's a vegetarian tradition. My mother did. My oh, mother,
1: did? yeah. My mother was uh, Bumata Devi Dasi. And uh, we grew up first Baptist and Pentecostal and then Seventh day yeah. Adventist for a long yeah. time. And she wanted, my mother was the kind of person that. Whatever she got into it, she got into it fully, so we were in it. And we loved it. We had some really wonderful experiences in the Seventh-day Adventist church, and it was vegetarian at that time.
2: Did you stay vegetarian?
1: Um, You know, oh, so at that time when we were Seventh-day Adventists, the leader of the movement, Helen G. White, she had said those who are servants of God they will eventually give up meat. Oh. So they were still eating some meat, oh, but okay. the, the onus was to give it up. So within a few years they, they did. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I oh, was just curious. Yeah, <laughs>
1: very good. Yeah.
3: I, I was raised in the in the Catholic church, but I love the, the calling out the name of the God. They actually had a society called the Holy Name Society. Yes. Although they didn't know Krishna's name, but still the, the presence of the God in his name was there. Yeah. in a lot of different cultures and religious backgrounds.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah in every religion it's said uh, in the, uh, in the Islam, Islamic tradition, it says the most beautiful names belong to God, so call upon him by them. And in the Christian world it says that he that calleth on the name of God shall be saved. So, yeah.
2: Hare, Hare Krishna. Krishna. <laughs> um, you sang a song just at the end. <laughs> A beautiful gospel song I guess it was right <laughs> yeah. Christian song about holding the name of God Yes And yesterday we were on Hari Nam Sankirtan and uh, a very dignified elderly black woman came and watched us for a while and then announced during a pause that she was a pianist and she wanted to sit and play the harmonium with us
1: Wow That's And uh, sweet.
2: <laughs> yeah. Her name was uh, Beverly Marjorie... Oh, I can't remember her last name. Anyway, she made quite an impression. She sat with us for almost an hour and played the harmonium along with the kirtan, and she was so skilled that she could follow whatever melody we were doing, even though it was a music that wasn't familiar to her. But because it was singing for Krishna, the name of God, she felt inspired, and she felt like she could follow along with anything that we did. Um, Anyway, so... uh, I hope that you'll join us <laughs> because we invited her to come again. And uh, I, it would be an amazing thing for the two of you to meet and Probably sing welcome. Hare Krishna together. together.
1: Jai, Hariva. Yeah. He has a question.
2: Yeah, I have to stand up in your honor because it was such a beautiful sermon, and I really appreciate it. Um, just the reason I'm saying that, I was around five or six years old. My grandmother used to talk about all that and told me the story, and I kind of forgot about it. <clears throat> well, lo and behold, you woke me up. <laughs> yeah, really, it was so refreshing. And uh, now I really know the roles of Draupadi, what she did. Yes. And that is the honor, a woman's honor. My grandmother used to talk about the, the no matter wife, mother, sister, she carries an honor. So thank you very much for refreshing our Thank
1: you, Prabhu. My, my youngest daughter, Bhakti Tirta Swami Kijai, he named her, her middle name Draupadi. And he didn't know that, that Draupadi is one of my all-time favorite characters. And so I always call her Draupadi. But then I have to think, now, I don't want you to have five husbands, <laughs> just one. <laughs> Well,
4: I, I think the today's uh, sermon was really like very interesting and I really you know something as I said, I, I forgot about draupadi and what her role was and thank you for refreshing also, um, to add on to that. Um I you know sometimes it, it, it does kind of I guess and sometimes in life I forget sometimes that um that we, we do have struggles and conflicts but we have to also get through them in the best way possible and uh, I think thepathy really showed that um, despite being a woman despite uh going through her struggles despite um what she had been through she was able to come out of it strong yeah. and she didn't um and she was a- she had perseverance so she didn't give up she didn't do anything that was uh, she didn't just say i 'll just give up i won't get through this so and that 's what I really think that um we sometimes forget and I think that's really an important lesson to learn.
1: Yes, Jobody had so many, so many trials and so many tribulations. I mean, sometimes you think, oh, I, I, I'm surrendering to God, so everything should be nice, right? Oh, no, sometimes that's when all hell breaks loose. But if you have these qualities of patience and perseverance and determination and surrender to Krishna, because ultimately he's our best friend. In fact, the relationship between Draupadi and Krishna is so sweet and special. He called her Saki, like my dearest friend, and she called him Saka, my dearest friend. So to have that relationship with God, you're my friend, my ever-well-wisher. Draupadi personified that.
3: Hare Krishna, thank you so much for a very nice talk. Uh, My question is this, you made uh, something nuanced and possibly difficult sounds perhaps easier than it, than it is.
1: <laughs> On the
3: one hand, we have the pastime. Draupadi is lost in a gambling match. If she could be lost by her husbands in a gambling match, it implies, as she objects, uh, that she has no agency of her own And at the same time, one of the lessons is that women have value unto themselves, not just value in terms of how they are perceived by a man. And that they should engage boldly, especially in uh, instances where injustice uh, is at issue. So my question is, how should a chaste woman navigate the culture so as to know when to uh, step up and exercise their God-given agency, their inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, and uh, you know when is it appropriate uh, to step back? In other words, how do women navigate this culture where on the one hand the ideal has them without agency, but the lesson is that they have agency. It seems like a bit of a paradox to me. Yes.
1: Well, you know, the very good question, Prabhu. And even if, you know, going back into the, the Leela or the pastime, uh, Yudhisthira also gambled away his brothers. They were men. They didn't have agency either. Because the culture, I mean, in, in, that, in that example, because they followed the instruction of the eldest brother. So in the spiritual paradigm or the spiritual realm of authority, there are standards. And I would say, especially in Kali Yuga and especially in Lord Chaitanya's movement, that women should negotiate exactly just like men. You know, follow your, your dharma, follow your principles, follow your mission. but cultivate these qualities of humility and patience and surrender. And then you will be guided by your by the, because the Lord is a, the Lord in job' heart guided her when to speak and when not to speak and when to stand up. Because the ultimate understanding on spiritual life is that we're not the body, so we're not a man, and we're not a woman. And if someone misuses a woman in this life, nine times out of 10, they will be a woman in the next life, and I have to experience it. So for an intelligent person, don't waste time being hung up on your body. It's really, really the understanding of it. Use your body and whatever you have in your uh, 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 purview or authority in the service of Krishna. So whether that's as a mother, or a teacher, or a wife, or a business person, you use you serve Krishna to the best of your ability, cultivating these qualities of humility and and patience and and determination, and 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 then Krishna will help you and guide you how to do and what to do.
0: Hari Krishna. I'm Hare Hare thank Krishna. you so much for the sweet class. I, I actually was just listening so to the nice exchange with between you and Hari Kirtan. and um, it. it what came up, and I, I want you to correct me if I 'm wrong because as I delve into it deeper, I think it's almost as though the culture isn't saying that women don't have agency it's it's an opportunity to see how all of us are expected to be strong and in our presence as spiritual entities. Yes, we take instruction we are to we take instruction from the spiritual master we take instruction from from senior devotees, and at the same time in taking that instruction, we aren't lessened as right. as, as a presence or as an individual and it reminds me of Prabhupada's injunction, you know, I don't want blind followers. I don't want blind followers. So there's that there's that balance between using your intelligence and at the same time recognizing um your your shortcomings or the areas where you don't know. So there's asking submissively but also not just being nothing. Okay. Is is this am I wrong? Am no, I No, you're quite correct.
1: I once my mother and I we wrote a letter to Srila Prabhupada And we were telling Prabhupada that the devotees were treating us with prejudice. And we wrote him like that more than one time. And I think Prabhupada got tired of that. And so finally, being our best teacher, Prabhupada wrote us and he said, if someone misuses you because of the color of your skin, that's that's their ignorance. And if you accept it, that's your ignorance. And I, I, that sat with me. For, I, I cried over the letter, first of all, because Prabhupada said we were giving him a big headache, keep writing him about these problems. I cried a long time. I didn't want to give my spiritual master a headache. But then I understood what Prabhupada was telling us. Like, if someone mistreats me because I'm in a black body or a woman's body, I don't have to get into their ignorance with them. I know that, or I'm trying to understand that I am an eternal spirit soul, I'm a servant of Krishna, and I have every right to exist and love and life like any other living being. And Prabhupada wanted me to get off that bodily platform and go to something deeper. So I would say that applies even for women. If someone mistreats me because I'm a woman, and I have been mistreated because I'm a woman, and I have been mistreated because I was in a black body and I have been mistreated because I didn't have a whole lot of money. But because of the understanding of the science, I'm not the body. I'm eternal. I'm spirit soul. I'm a servant of Krishna. I'm the servant of the most I can. See, we should kind of develop this mentality. So yes, I'm in a woman's body. But don't let it hold me back.
5: Thank you so much for being with us today. I right, really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, there are some countries in the world where uh, women do have an equal say in the, in the society, the yeah. politics, or the business. And certainly it's a delta in the United States. And I think with our, our recent election, where uh, the first female was, in fact, had the possibility to lead the country, was defeated. The administrative, administration that came in, obviously, is very decisive, divisive. Uh, and I firmly believe in order for us to have a country that represents everyone in a positive fashion, that women need to take on stronger and more visible leadership positions and roles. But of course, as you mentioned, we're still in a society where that is still not the norm. So my question is, how do we change that? If we're looking to make a significant change in the coming years based on what's going on, obviously women have to play an equal role in that, and, a, and, a, and, I, and, a, and I believe would be a very positive role, but how does that happen? How do we uh, uh, arrange for that to occur over the next several years?
1: Okay, very good question, Prabhu. I don't know if I know all the answer to it, but what I would say is we um, keep surrendering and keep being purified We were in, I think it was St. Louis or maybe Houston, I don't know, we've been traveling a lot here lately, but one of the devotees, he spoke to me and he was speaking really from his heart and he was saying, Mata, I'm very concerned about our movement and I think that we need the mother energy in our movement and the mother energy is nurturing and an and, and energy that includes everyone. And, that, and I said Prabhu, I agree with you. And in fact, I even think Prabhupada had the mother energy. He had the mother and father energy because that was his nature to include everyone, to give you know, unconditional love to everyone. And we need that more in our movement. And for us, we're at a crucial uh, time in the movement. And it, it's Lord Chaitanya's desire that whoever has the qualifications to do a certain service, that they do it, whatever their body is. That's Lord Chaitanya's desire. It's not my desire. You know, I think that left alone without Prabhupada shaking me up, I would have been a retiring, quiet teacher little person. But Prabhupada put fight in me that I have to fight for spiritual principles. I have to fight for my children. I have to fight for you as a devotee. And so that just came as a consequence of being engaged in devotional service. And I think that's probably true for women and men all over. It just rises up. And then what can you do? You have to, you know, so hopefully that touched.
0: Wonderful. <laughs>